Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Um, my name is Zoe, and today I am with Dylan Palladino, a comedian and fellow podcaster. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for being here yeah. today. Um, so why don't we start off with introducing yourself. Where are mm-hmm. you from? How old are you? Uh, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Uh, I'm 27. I'm from uh, Los Angeles. I was born here, but I grew up in L.A. Okay. Like, I moved there when I was four with my family. And um, I went to high school. I went to Pally High, Paul Revere, all the stuff out in L.A. So I, like, grew up in L.A. So I definitely have, like, a Los Angeles mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, but then had parents that were very New York-esque, New York. which I thought think was good because it allowed me to not be too chill or, I don't know, like, out of touch that people can kind of be in L.A. Yeah, how was growing up there? It was... Um, it was great. I like I didn't really appreciate it until I left. Like really? when I um when I went to college, I couldn't wait to get out. I was like I'm sick. Like LA's boring cuz it can be boring. It, it like didn't link up with uh my energy and mm-hmm. what I wanted to be doing at that point. Like I I wanted more stuff to go on. And but then when I left and I kind of just thought about it more, I realized how lucky it was how lucky I was to be in that neighborhood. Because I was in the Palisades. It's a really nice neighborhood. It's close to the beach. I got to see the beach basically every single day because yeah, I was, was driving. Warm. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's warm. The seasons are like non-existent in the sense that it never gets under like 50 mm-hmm. and would go up to 90. So it was always decently nice. Like you always only needed a sweater. That was it. I never, nice. I never wore anything more than a sweater ever for like most of my life, which is great. And so I really appreciated it when I left. And I think back to it now, it was... I mean, it's hard to be like, oh, I would want a different upbringing. I don't know anyone, uh, unless like, you know, you were fucking hit or something. But like, uh, I think that it was great because it's also a very diverse city. And yeah. so all my friends were like from all over the place. That's awesome. And then you think, do you think like you inherited the New York energy? Yeah, from my parents for sure. Yeah. And then yeah. that's why you wanted to get out. Yeah. I kind of always idolized New York and like thought it was because we would go back and visit uh, like once or, or two, maybe three times a year because uh, my dad is from Long Island. Okay. And so his family is still out here on Long Island. But we would go visit them Christmas or Thanksgiving or sometime in the summer. And I always loved being in the city. And my dad loves the city too. So he kind of helped me uh, to have the same passion and like fervor for the city that he did. He loved living in it and still loves being here. So I think when I saw him like it, I was like, oh, well, it is great. And then I would come and I connected with it and was like, yeah, this place is awesome. And what? and my mom was from North Carolina. Oh, uh, okay. But she also was obsessed with the city, too. There were two people that were like, New York is great. So Yeah. And then so when did you do to decide to move here? Uh, when I went to school. Okay. I, I, got, uh, I went to NYU. Oh, and so, okay. So you were here for a while. Yeah. I went, to, I went to NYU in 2010 and... That was like what I wanted to do. I didn't even apply to any schools on the West Coast. It was like Boston, um, New York, and then one school in North Carolina. And I basically only did that because of my mom. <laughs> yeah. And was like, I would go to Chapel Hill, but I wasn't like I wasn't into it. Got uh, it. So New York was always the goal and the place I wanted to be. And so I moved here in 2010, and then I've been here ever since. What did you study at NYU? Theater. Okay. First I did psychology. Well, first I was like pre-med. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to apply to Tisch, which is the theater school. Yep. And then, I don't know, 
I th- this part of my memory is kind of hazy with it. I don't remember exactly what happened, but for some reason, I had a talk with my dad, and we just decided to do regular. We decided that like going to going to drama school was maybe not the best use of money, and that I should get a good degree just to have that as like a backup or whatever, and then I can take acting classes on the side, kind of like like he had done that. And I don't know. I know a lot of other people will just go to conservatory and do that instead. Mm-hmm. And so that was the decision that was made. And then I got there, and within a week, I was like, I I was wrong, because someone on my floor, the one of my friends who was right across the hall, she was in Tish. And I was just hearing about what she was doing, and, and I just immediately was like, this is the wrong decision. So for the first year, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to do bio- – I'm going to major in biology because I liked biology. and But when you major in biology, it's basically pre-med. That's what yeah. people who are pre-med do. And either you go pre-med or you become a biological researcher, which I also was not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, the f- you know, my first semester, it was like bio, chem, psych – in span it was fucking the hardest semester ever and then after that i came to terms with the fact that i was going to try to internally transfer so i switched to a psych major because i really liked psych and oh it was also psych first semester jesus and uh as it moved on and i finally transferred my junior year i still made psych my minor because i was really into it yeah out of curiosity what did you like about it it's I think a lot of actors are into it as well. Um, it's like just studying humans and like and and personality, why people are like certain things, what causes like what's the root cause of a lot of action and habits or uh, why people are a certain way. I, I, I found that interesting. I've, I've thought like developmentally what leads people to have personality traits, but uh, there was there's a lot of biology in psych too, which I yeah, found which really fascinating. Liked. Like cognition, cognition was like my favorite class. Cognition and perception. Perception is a little bit harder. It's like very confusing, but both of those classes were great. I almost took a neuroscience class, and then I just I don't know. I talked to someone, and he was like, "You have to just memorize a bunch of uh, like different pathways and stuff." And I was like, "That just doesn't seem useful." That's really cool. So, did you want to go? Did you want to be an actor or did you always know you wanted to be a comedian or what was... I always knew I liked doing comedy and okay. like wanted to do something comedic, but I don't know. I don't... I wanted to act. I still want to act. I guess it's a big thing of what I like doing, but I I knew I wanted to perform and I think acting was the, the thing that connected to me the most. I had done it in high school and it was like the first thing that felt right. And I love making people laugh. I just never thought about stand-up, I guess, when I was in high school as, like, something to do. I thought about improv, maybe, and I did a little bit of that. Uh, I loved stand-up. Like, I would, I used to listen to Dane Cook and go to sleep to him, like, when I was in eighth grade or ninth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, would just, I would just turn on the album and go to sleep. But I think um, I think I started considering doing stand-up when I couldn't do improv enough. Like, because you have to have a team. Yeah. And so, and I was trying to do stand-up on my own because I was like, oh, I think I can do it. Like, it'll be fun. And then I started liking it more and more and realizing that I really liked it and realizing that I loved that I could just decide to do it. Like, you don't need to... Get people like, yeah, on a team you just Yeah, you just walk outside and you go to a mic. And so, but I, I don't think I'd ever thought about stand-up when I was young. Gotcha. I didn't even know it was really, <laughs> like, a thing. It's really interesting. I'm thinking now... 
I mean, I'm also just like so fascinated with the brain and behaviors mm-hmm. and, you know, this is like a mental health podcast. So like yeah, yeah. honestly mental. But do you think that by n- knowing more about, you know, why people behave the way this, they do and like think things they think, mm-hmm. do you think that helps you craft your your bits because you kind of knew what people were maybe looking for. You mean um, like if I'm trying to investigate why someone was a certain way? Mm, no, just maybe like predicting how people would react to certain jokes. No, I can. It's like comedy and, and thinking something is funny. Uh, I find that if you ever go, oh, I think they're going to think this is really funny. It flops. Yeah, or it just doesn't, at least for me, it doesn't feel very truthful. And compared to like, if I go, I think this is really funny and I want to try it out and see what works, that always feels better to me. Uh, like, you know, you'll write bits and you'll go, oh, this is a good setup punch. That's fine. And some people write jokes like that. They write setup punch, but it's like, it's more of a misdirection or uh callback, stuff like that. It's never, if you're trying to predict what the audience is going to, laugh at because you think oh because they think this way this will that's way i'm already analytical enough that's like way too analytical for me Got it. i i i think it would make me be even less funny it's hard dude it's hard enough for me to not analyze everything i'm doing <laughs> to then be like oh d- is this because people have daddy issues when they're young it's like no it's kind of a an intrinsic thing that you know a lot of psychology like uh, psychological truths or the like theories a lot of them that like they sometimes merge into stereotypes or whatever, but a lot of the ones that we think are true, we kind of just know them inherently. Like whether they're fully true or not, but like if someone has daddy issues or like whatever, like we all make jokes about it because we all kind of know people who are like yeah, that. Yeah, you're and basing it off of like exactly a, um, a real thing. Personal experience. Then in the reverse, do you feel like you've learned more about people from their like reactions to your jokes? And like... I think I've learned more that... Uh, People are like people want to laugh at more shit than they feel like they're allowed to. Like people are, yeah. yeah. Like if you make maybe exactly cross if you make a, little... a yeah, if you make a joke that some would consider like I, I don't like the word edgy. I think it's dumb, but like edgy or pushing the boundaries or a little controversial. People want to laugh at it, and then when they see themselves laughing, laughing at it, they like try to stop. And what I like about that is it's like, dude, so you, you can't like, you can't lie with laughter, like mm-hmm. real laughter. You, I, everyone has fake laughed before. When someone actually howls at something, that's my favorite thing to find out what people like. And it will tell me who someone is if they laugh. Like I laugh at really fucked up shit. And so if I find someone else that does as well, I go like, Oh, you're like, you're one of us. Like you're the evil, whatever. <laughs> and a lot of people are like that and they don't want to admit it. Cause they like, they feel shame about it. Yeah. But, um, definitely says a lot about society and social constructs and things mm-hmm. like that. I think what is your, I guess, I don't know if this is the correct term, but like comedic style, do you use like self deprecation at all? Like, what's how do you approach comedy mm, a lot of comics don't like that uh question i think oh, sorry. Beca- no, 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 i'm not like it wasn't like you shouldn't ask it. no but i but i've thought about why we don't like it is because 
at least for me, I don't really like as soon as I go define and I say like I'm this type of comedian. Number one, the contrarian in me wants to be like I'm not, and then do something else. But also, like it's like you never really know. But I think the best thing to this for your people listening, if they meet a comedian, because this is an interview, so it's fine. Like we're talking, we have a conversation, so I'm willing to talk about it. But like if if I'm at a party and someone's like, oh, so what's your what's your comedy like? It just is an uncomfortable, not fun topic to because it's not going to do anything for you you know what i mean like if you're at a party you're like, you're like cool. oh so what do you, yeah exactly it's I'm not gonna, like a what do you do for work yeah like, unless oh, I'm a it's consultant like consultant major doing this yeah but even if it's like oh what's your comedy like if i'm just like unless i go i just talk shit about jews you're gonna <laughs> like then you'll be like oh my god but most of the time you'll just be like okay oh you're set up oh that's cool and then you'll be like like this guy or whatever yeah but and then you're you, like yeah yeah, yeah I get and then it. you move on but i get what people are trying to do if you ask someone what do you like talking about i think that's if you meet a comedian, you're like, oh, what do you like talking about? That's kind of at least a better, oh, I like getting into, I like talking about dirty shit. I like, like whatever. But for me, I just look at it as stories are the things that I kind of gravitate to the most. I try to write setup punches because it's like harder for me. And you see it a lot in New York. But the easiest things for me are always um, stories. So I'm more story and then shit like it's all shit that happens to me and then i have a viewpoint on it but it's not very it's not hyper observational and it's definitely not setup jokey um like i think the perfect example of like a setup joke for our era is like mark normand and he's amazing and he's really good at it i would never do that style because it just isn't who i am got it he's perfect at it and i respect him for that and go that's not who i am I'm more um, a style where, yeah, you're talking shit about what's happened to you or you're noticing something. I don't know. I don't want to compare. Like, my favorite comedian is Tom Segura, and I love his style, and he's a lot of stories. But I don't even want to compare myself to him because he's just so much better than me. But he's the kind of way I would like to go where, I don't know, my favorite thing is when you leave a show and you kind of feel like you know that person and you're, like, kind of friends with them and... At least with him, it kind of feels like that. So you want people to take that away from your shows? Yeah, I want it's people like to feel connected and like like they had a good time. And jokes are great. I love jokes. A good joke is fucking amazing. But what's cool about stories is that you can tell them over and over again. And kind of like songs, they don't fully lose their power. After, mm-hmm. a, after a while, you know, you can get bored of a song and you can get bored of a story. But... There are those stories that we all have in family or with friends that every time we get together, it inevitably pops up. And everyone, even though most of them know it, they still want to hear it because it takes you there and it's fun. And if it's funny, it's great. And And that connects you kind of. Yeah, it connects you because, I don't know, I have this viewpoint where I feel like human beings are all connected by stories. Like we love stories. That's why TV and movies exist like that's why we read books. It's why we, we tell do, our, like everything. We tell yeah. ourselves stories every day. It's how we deal with what reality is because yeah. we're conscious of it and we're trying to be like, what's going on? How do I deal with this information that's coming in? Do I have a story real or fictional that I can relate this to? Yeah, I love that. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. Okay, this is um on a bit of a different note, but right. <laughs> uh, when I talk to Francis, I kind of mm-hmm. asked a similar question. Um, but, it, it, I mean, it goes the same for you. Like, 
you're a good looking guy. You're mm-hmm. like, I don't even know, like six, 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 six. You're really tall. Yeah. I heard on a podcast you used to model for GQ or you have. I did. I did one editorial for them randomly, which so like, like, yes. Subtle flex. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was also the beginning of my career and and shit has not gone as well since then. So <laughs> really a shitty way to start it off. But yeah, I always right. have that. There's a ma- the magazine's over there. I can show you. Uh, I'll show my kids in 30 years. But yeah. But anyway, like that's like a pretty, you know. It's like not a, a normal comedian thing. No, not even that. It's just I'd say like. Looking at, you know, my guy friends who are mm-hmm. my age or in their 20s or, like, from college, whatnot, like, they all look up to comedians and, like, bros, like, that they mm-hmm. feel like they can relate to and, like, think that, you know, put them, a, like, a little bit on a pedestal. Yeah. And I was just curious if you ever felt, like, felt had your own insecurities because you are this, like, funny, mm-hmm. like, good-looking guy... But, like, what do you deal with? Uh, I mean, I've always ran from my looks, like, because I've never really believed it, like, that I was attractive, ever. And people don't believe that, but it's like, I don't know what to fucking tell you, dude. That's how I feel. Uh, Growing up, I was just, like, lanky and insecure, and I just thought I was, like, I just assumed I was ugly, and so that's how I lived my life. And so I would always try to be funny. I would always try to do something else. I, I never assumed someone wanted to be with me, like, because of my looks. And so then, it, you know, you get in fucking GQ or whatever, or you have someone tell you that you're, you, you start to be like, okay, well, I guess I am, but it, I've never really come to terms with it. Like even now, it's something that I accept and I like, it's, it's like, oh, that's nice, but I've never focused on it. So that's I, a good I, would, thing though, I wouldn't right? call it, yeah, I wouldn't call it an insecurity. You know what? I would, I, I think I'm insecure in the fact that I don't know how to feel attractive. Does that make sense? Is it like you don't know how to accept a compliment kind of thing? Or it's just like some people, you see them and you're like, they're confident, they know they look good, they're okay with it, and they are owning it in um, like a respectable way. They're not being cocky, but they're being confident. They are like good in their own skin. I don't feel that way. Yeah, I, I feel get it. like even though someone might say you're very, ch- I, I'm like I don't know how to be good looking. Like it just was never something that fit in my head. And even now, I'm like, how do I do this? So I just I like never. I still never focus on it. So I guess that's an insecurity of me of mine because I don't really focus on it. But I used to be a lot more insecure about. Um, talking to women for sure. I still, I, I am now a little bit. I'll, I'll never approach a girl in a bar. Really? Ever? Yeah. She has to stare at me and make it very, like, very out in the open, or like very sure that she wants me to talk to her. If not, I'm not gonna approach a girl. So I've been in security with that. But as soon as, I start, as soon as I start talking to someone, I'm pretty relaxed because I'm like, I'm good at this. I'm mm-hmm. good at talking. I'm good at being wild and like. Showing who I am. And then if you don't like it, whatever. I used to be like, if you don't like it, let me make you like me. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. And that's still there, that's for sure. A- As a performer, that's like, you want everyone to like you. That's what it is. But with dating specifically, most of the time, I've tried to train myself to get away from that because it doesn't feel good. I'm more like, dude, if you like me, that's great. If you don't, you're fucking wrong. You know what I mean? Like, like you're working on that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, same. 
When's your birthday? October 2nd. Oh. I was going to say, like, are you a Virgo? Cause, like, no, I'm Libra. Ah. Libra. People pleasers, though, I guess. Oh, for sure. As from what they say, I don't really care or believe in any of that stuff, but <laughs> I'm uh, trying to. I'm I trying to I find something to Dude, it's fine. Yeah, I have cool. I have no issue with anyone like doing that. I go, if it makes you feel good and you get some kind of security from it and it it, it gives you a path or what, whatever it is, fuck yeah, dude. Go for it. I mean, it, but if you tell me that I'm a piece of shit because I'm a Libra, then you, you can get it out of my face. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, for anyone listening who cares, I'm le- uh Scorpio rising, um, Libra, and then uh, Virgo moon or some shit. Okay, well, then that would yeah. make sense. Well, you mentioned before that you're very analytical. Like, what do you mean? Hyper mean analytical, by that? yeah. I'm like, I'm just hyper aware of everything. Like, Got it. I'm so aware that yesterday I was watching a movie and in it I felt an immense sense of emotion and like I wanted to cry. And then I was aware of that. And so I like wasn't, I couldn't allow it. I was so like, like self-aware oh, as well. Super as self-aware. Like... I was like, oh, I'm about to cry. Like, why am I crying? Is this okay? Is this uh and then with a guy, you get all these manly thoughts where you're like, should a man cry at this? Like, what a blah blah blah, all that shit. Interesting. Like, yeah. But do you what do you think that well, yeah, because I feel the same way. I feel like I'm very aware of how other like interesting, like how other people are thinking and like of my surroundings as well as myself, but that also may be related to like my anxiety and things like that. I mean, part of it is anxiety. Like yeah. being self-aware leads to anxiety and anxiety leads to being, leads to being hyper self-aware. They're kind of like two parts of the same. It's a, a perpetual um, circle. Uh, yeah. Vicious cycle thing. Yeah. Definitely yeah. a vicious cycle. Um, Do you have anxiety? Yeah, for sure. Nothing. Um, It definitely goes up and down. My kind of anxiety is I don't, I don't get like, um, Number one, I think anxiety needs to be talked about as something that everyone has because everyone does have it. Yeah. It used to be I thought that only people that were like wrong had or like where something was 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 wrong in their head. Like there was a something was screwed up and like they had anxiety as a disorder when in reality the anxiety is a reality of life just like happiness and sadness and anger and rage and jealousy are. Some people are a lot more jealous. Some people have almost no jealousy. You yeah. Know? So some people have almost no anxiety, and that's great. But you still have it. So I think taking the stigma away from it is important because for a while I didn't want to accept that I had it because I had deemed it and defined it as a negative thing. But um, I have it in the term in the sense of I get overwhelmed with a bunch of shit to do, and then I'm like, I haven't done anything today. I'm a failure. I fucked up. Yeah. I get that. Um, I get performance anxiety sometimes sexually and but that's a vicious circle because because for a guy once it starts happening then you're just worried about it happening again and then it's going to keep happening most of the time and then i mean everyone gets career anxiety a lot like i don't have any crazy social anxiety or um i don't get worried about like being sick or things going wrong i don't worry about the the whole world like even like you know some people who have a lot of anxiety this iran thing is probably freaking them out yeah it doesn't freak me out like got that. it yeah I, that's how I, I am i accept that i'm pretty zen about a lot of stuff where i'm like what's gonna happen is what's gonna happen uh i'm gonna focus on what i can control and what i can control is if i'm anxious about the work i have to do how do i how do i fix that and like how do i mitigate that anxiety oh i just do it or mm-hmm. i set out time to like whatever it is um, 
I'm not really. I'll sometimes get anxious with girls, I guess, but. I mean, it also depends. If, if you really like someone, then obviously it comes up more. Mm-hmm. I sometimes get anxiety with friends where I'm like, do they like me or whatever? Yeah. Not that much. But I but uh, with new friends, because sometimes I'm like feeling out if they're into uh, like who I am. But I've recently, like the older I get, the more I just go like, bro, I don't fucking give a shit. I don't give a shit about you. I don't give a shit about anyone. Like, and not in a they can all die way. I mean... If you fuck with me and I fuck with you, that's great. And if you don't, that doesn't mean I'm wrong. Yeah. Also, it doesn't even really mean you're wrong. It just means it just we don't vibe it, yeah. up. It's cool. It's just like dating. So I kind of – sometimes I'll say in my head, dude, I don't give a shit. I'll literally say that before an inter- interaction or anything. It's kind of manifest it. Yeah. Oh, it just like chills me out. It's like a reminder to yourself. Like if you're going into an interview, like if you're going to go like you know try to get a new job, if you tell yourself like – Dude, I don't even give a shit. But not in a, I don't want this job. Like, I don't give a shit what this person thinks. I know I'm good. I know I deserve this job. And I know I should get this money. Then you go in with this confidence of like, dude, I'm not scared of you. I don't give a shit. You should want me. Like, what's up? I'm going to put all my shit on the table. Give it to you. And then you figure it out. This is no longer me asking you. This is me saying, here's why you should want me. If you don't, fuck it, man. That's interesting because it's like before you said you like weren't confident. So it's almost a way to counterbalance that and 100%. add the confidence. Hundred percent, it is. I also was I was interested when you mentioned like the show you were watching and how part of you was like related it to like masculinity and things like that. Mm-hmm. What are your? I mean, there's obviously, for example, like in comedy, there's so much like connection to mental health mm-hmm. um, between like you know, comics using, the, um, like, performing as a means of therapy and things like that and just, like, the strong connection. And I think there's also that, you know, masculinity aspect and toxic masculinity. There's so much around that. And mm-hmm. I just was curious as to your thoughts on, like, the relationship between mental health and comedy as well as just, like, I don't know. Um, I don't know, dude. I think people are trying to use comedy for therapy too much. To yeah, I was going to say, do you think that's... Um... Yeah, I think it's been blown way out of proportion. Um, therapy is not funny, all right? A lot of the shit that... Look, a lot of the shit that goes on in your head is funny, but you got to make it funny mm-hmm. in a way that relates to people. But if you, a lot of people are just going up and they're using like some shitty thing that happened to them or like a trauma and they're like, oh, I, I should like talk this out on stage and that makes it better. And dude, you know what? If you want to do that, that's fine. Okay. It, that's, that's totally okay. But I can say, I don't think it's that funny. I'm not saying I think it's wrong. You can do whatever, but I think it's a lot better when your first, the thing that you want to do, the most important thing, the foundation of all of it, if it's a pyramid of your comedy, the f- huge foundation of it is be funny and make people laugh. In my p- that's what it should be. Yeah. And then really skilled comedians can put shit on top of that with that base and make it so that they're making you laugh and are also making like very profound points that make you think, but they're allowing you to have these moments of insightful thought and also blow off whatever tension might have been created with the laugh as well. 
Yeah. And, but it just, when, when people are trying to like use it for therapy, it's like, dude, what are you doing to the audience? It's, it's selfish. I think of it as selfish when, if someone is going up and like literally just being sad and talking about that, it's like, dude, this audience wants to, especially if they paid, if it's a free show, you could say like, oh, they didn't pay, but whatever. It, I'm, I'm thankful that anyone is watching me. So I'm always going to try and make them laugh. Yeah. Um, when people just go up and they're being sad, like. I don't have anyone specific in my mind, but it's like, dude, you should be trying to make this audience laugh. They're watching you. They're taking time out of their life. They're literally spending calories and life that they, that is, is non fucking not refundable is not the right word, but like, it's not a renewing resource. It's yeah. just, they're, they're spending it watching you. So the least you can do is try to be funny and not just wallow in your own self, whatever. I think it can be very therapeutic for people to go up and try and i mean dude this comedian bet stelling she had um she was very open about it that she had an, a very abusive relationship and she was on stage and she was trying out these jokes and like getting them down about uh something with that past boyfriend and she was being really honest and like talking about some of the brutal shit that happened uh but i know she's funny and I know I knew I knew she could figure it out and make it funny, but the audience was tightening up, and so she's saying all this stuff, and then she pauses, and everyone's like not really laughing, and she goes, "Yeah, I, I know. Imagine being there, like making a joke, being like you guys are tightening up. I was fucking there, and everyone laughed, and it was great. And that's when I was like, that's it. That's fucking. You can talk about all this shit, and at the end of the day, you have to be able to make a joke about it so that everyone can feel okay listening to it. Because yeah. sometimes people." You know, they hear all your issues and they're like, should I laugh at this or like, is this person okay? Yeah. I think also it has to be, it can't be a substitute for therapy. I no, think, dude. I think like if you are, you know, working on yourself and you can pull from like, as you said, your stories. Um, I watched like the, the big depress, uh, the great depression. Oh yeah. With Gary Goldman. Yeah. With Gary Goldman. And like, he's really good. That what I thought was really well executed because like he pulled from his own experience with depression, mm -hmm. it was still funny and it wasn't like, I don't know, it wasn't making light of something very serious. Or like it was, but in a, like a way that was well done, if that makes sense. Yes, like depression is a very serious thing and he goes through insane depression. But he's also making fun of it because it's like, I don't know, when you make fun of things and laugh at them, to me it makes it feel like, oh, it's okay. Like it's gonna be okay. Even when you've mm -hmm. been in the worst zone ever, and you're super depressed, you probably hear Gary Goldman talk about it, and then you relate and are also like, yeah, no, nah, it's going to be okay. I, I remember he had this bit about um, using a fork to eat ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Was that bit on the special? Yeah. I saw yeah, him yeah. do it like three or four years ago. So funny. It's an amazing bit, and I bet you in the moment, in that moment when he was eating ice cream with the fork, he was probably insanely depressed and did not feel good and was... and. What's great about a comic's brain is that in that moment when he's so sad, he was able to take a step back and be like, dude, I'm eating ice cream with a fork. Like, how fucking sad am I? And to make that into a joke, it's this cathartic thing, not only for him, but for anyone else who has ever been there. Yeah. To be 100%. like, depression's real. I've been there. It is also a, a funny thing to do. It's like funny how sad it is because we've all been there. Yeah, it's like a very good way to, I think, erase the stigma because there is sure. a stigma. And it's like, I think what I found, I mean, I'm in no way, shape or form a comedian, mm -hmm. but even just 
by opening up a little on Instagram, I feel like I've opened the door to, for people to come to me about their own, you know, mm-hmm. thoughts and things, which is, I mean, I feel so like happy about that, like that they feel the comfort to talk to, or they feel comfortable talking to me. But I think the same goes for, you know, someone like Gary Goldman. I'm sure people have like, reached out. Oh, for sure. Dude, p- everyone wants to, we're all fucking trapped in our own heads. And when you have the opportunity to talk, people also want to talk because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't feel the power to just talk about some shit. Some people have just never talked about any thoughts that they've had ever and they just keep it all in and then it just bottles up and then, you know, that's why people go to other shit. But if you can talk about it to at least be like, hey, I kind of get it or hear, dude, I love hearing people's crazy shit. Like, yeah, you have like any, the we're all yes, psychos. Dude, body. like any the craziest thing that's happened to you, the crazy shit, just tell me. Cause I'm gonna laugh at it and that's great. And it's gonna make you feel good to be like, I can't believe I just talked about that. It's like, yeah, dude. Like none of us is perfect. And we all are fucking out of our minds and in our own minds and all do weird, gross, hyper hypocritical shit. So like the sooner that we can embrace that and Honestly, just not take things seriously. Like anything. Don't take it seriously. Even the most serious things. Make they can be serious. And then you gotta make jokes. People that are in war, like that are seeing the most fucked up shit, are the people that usually laugh and fuck around the most. Two of my brothers who are in the army, um, they talk about when they see guys over there and they joke about like really fucked up stuff. And sometimes if you would hear it over here, you'd go like that's like I can't believe they're talking about that. That's fucked up. But that's how those people are coping with the fact that they just saw their friend's arm get blown off. So it's like that's how they have to. It's like it's the most serious thing ever, yeah, and then they have to deal. Don't with take it, it seriously. Take it yeah, process it. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, we're all gonna fucking die. Is <laughs> true. Is that what? Because one of my questions I had was like, what advice would you give someone, especially a guy? Because mm-hmm. I think they're more prone to hold things in and I mean, yeah. they are no they are not they they are more they 100%, 100% are. We're, we're trained to i think it's also biological i think it's just in our like our makeup and our genetic mindset that we like we don't go towards it as much mm-hmm. as women do women are, are like much more empathetic they're much more open with talking about their emotions which is great and also like if you guys weren't then th- we would just be a bunch of animals you know yeah. um <laughs> I think guys have to learn. I think the first thing they have to do is tell themselves that it's okay to talk about like your emotions and your thoughts and your feelings. And it doesn't make you less of a man. I personally think it makes you more of a man yeah. because it's, it's a brave, vulnerable thing to do. Like it takes strength to be, it takes str- strength to save someone or pick up a weight or get in a fight. Yeah. That all takes strength. But it also takes strength to be like, here's my weakness and I'm showing it to you and I'm okay with that. Like that takes strength because you're making yourself super vulnerable. And I think a really strong man is someone who's like, I'm confident enough that I can even show you my weak underbelly and I'll still be okay. So I, I think that's the first thing to do is to go, hey, look, you can be a man and still talk about all this stuff. So kind of accept it for yourself and then open yourself up to others. Yeah, and then just start, you know, not all your friends are going to be cool with it. A lot of them are because they're going to feel uncomfortable talking about it themselves. 
you'll feel a couple guys that um, you feel it out if there's a dude that you're like, oh, you know, maybe I can be more open with this guy. But I also think the way dudes work, at least for me, is that a lot of times you like talk something and you'll like maybe if you mention something more serious, they'll be like, ah, well, dude, come on, I want to fucking talk about that. Or they'll yeah. like they'll they'll um, throw it away. They'll dismiss it. Mm-hmm. And if it's someone you're really good, you're good friends with and a dude that you connect with, if you're honest with that guy and you're like, dude, listen, man, I like actually need to talk about this. Can we like, dude, you're my boy. Can we just talk about this for a second? Like, just give me five minutes and then we'll go back to whatever. Like, and then, dude, as guys, you got to make a joke. You got to be like, dude, I'm not trying to fuck you or whatever. Like, whatever you want to do. However, whatever's your, um, whatever's your dynamic with your friends. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, like, come on, like, whatever you have to do to kind of make a joke, to make light of the situation that you want to talk about something more real, do that. And some of your friends aren't going to be cool with it. And that's fine. And you also have to respect maybe your friend doesn't want to talk to you about it at that moment, but you go, all right, is there another moment that we can? And just try again. It's really hard, dude. I know. And if your friends shoot you down, it's going to be harder to do it the second time. But I guarantee you, if you try to, um, there's going to be someone else that has wanted to also, mm-hmm. and they're going to, whether it's in pre- or whatever, They'll they're be gonna, like, oh, same. Like, I've been having the yeah, same thought. Be like, or, like, yeah, I did. Yeah, dude, you know, I was thinking about the same thing, too. Like, this happened with, um, you know, like, this happened with, with me, with this girl. It's so funny. Like, whenever I've talked about, like, performance anxiety, not being able to get it up, or, like, having to take shit in order for it to work, you'll all get dudes being like, dude, do you like, have any, though? Like, maybe I can <laughs> try. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, dude. Like, don't be fucking weird about it. Who cares? Um, I think that's the thing. That, and that's what's good about social media is that, Dudes can find other dudes that are like willing to at least, whether it's on Reddit and it's anonymous, talk about feelings like whatever it is, and can feel some kind of community there because it's harder to do it um, in person. In person, I don't know. Maybe even try for text first. Yeah, I mean, one thing I found interesting is like kind of how I mentioned before with people reaching out to me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's only been dudes, like only been guys who I honestly either have not don't really know at all or Uh haven't seen since like middle school and 99% of the time it's like thanks for posting the stuff about mental health like thanks for doing this podcast I really appreciate it and then recently like last week this guy my old like neighbor from middle school Uh unfollowed me on Instagram I was like that's weird so I mentioned I like called him out on it and he said like basically that all like the mental health stuff he didn't want to see all like my mental health stuff Uh and at first i was like kind of offended but then i'm like wait i don't post anything triggering like it's all stuff Mm -hmm. like this day is gonna be a great day like shit like that um and but i it was interesting because it a like with my like analytical thinking made me think wow okay this is definitely explains a lot like why he was such an asshole in middle school (laughs) Mm -hmm. he definitely has a lot of issues but also the fact that he's not confronting them because I was like, you know, you can always like, like, that's fine. And I get it, I guess. But if you ever want to talk, reach out to me. Like, I'm always here. But I thought it was very interesting, like the dynamic of how he was like such a middle school bully to me. Yeah. And how he wanted to hide from his own insecurities. Yeah. He doesn't want to be confronted with it. And he doesn't want to be reminded that like, maybe you should think about that. It's a lot easier to stay in the stasis that you've been in. 
and not change and not dude it's hard to confront all your flaws mm-hmm. it's like really fucking hard but but we need to yeah i mean you should and it feels better when you do and it allow i mean one of the best things about it is that it allows you to help other people which is arguably one of the best feelings ever when someone mm-hmm. else goes through some shit and then you're like yo here's what i did here's what i've experienced i understand you this helped me try this out and then when they go number one when you see that they feel like happy that someone listened and number two if they go hey man i tried it and this actually helped like thank you then you go oh sweet like that's great that's yeah. the that's and it's really rewarding you're like maybe like everything like maybe that was meant to happen it's almost never about you like with this guy and following you dude it's almost never about you and yeah. especially as a guy he just might not be mature enough to to come to terms with the fact that like like everyone has mental health yeah yeah and you know what some people don't want to see that shit all day maybe they're dealing with it so much that they're like they don't want to be reminded that they they should be working on it and that's not your fault yeah and that's not his he's allowed to whatever however people if you're friends with someone and you don't like their posts just mute them okay no one will know no one will know and you like I dude, there are so many people I follow that I mute, and it's not even because I don't like them. It's because I follow too many people, and I only want to see a certain amount of shit on my feed, and that's it. <laughs> I know. Okay, I thought about that too, and I was like, I'm just gonna not cross that bridge. Um, I don't want to waste too much of your time because mm-hmm. I know that we're short, so I'm just gonna ask you one last question, cool. which is the name of the podcast. Yes. How do you find solace in the city? Um. Meditating every day helps me a lot. I can't. Med- How do you meditate? Yeah, dude. I've been trying. I'm doing this 30-day challenge. Are you doing 31. Headspace? Or no. Calm? It's like Vanessa Loader. Okay. Um, I thought I couldn't do it either. Uh, here's the thing. Everyone can do it. It like, And if you're saying, no, you can't, you're fucking wrong. And I'm telling you, like you, this person you just thought, you're fucking wrong. Uh, me. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> a- everyone. Wrong. Literally everyone. If you say I can't, you fucking can. Because number one... The first thing about meditation is that there's no right way to do it, okay? Mm-hmm. Your brain is a machine. It's a computer that is consistently taking in information and spitting it out, and that's its job, and that's what it should do. So when you sit down and you want to be aware of it, your mind just doesn't clear up and doesn't become a sky. You still see the thoughts. But, like, the, the biggest thing that helped me was the realization that it's this technique called noting, if you guys look it up. And it's when you see a thought and then, so I'll give you an example. Like, um, I think in my head, I have a show in an hour. Like, let's say that thought just pops into my head. Instead of reacting to it, getting anxious, thinking about everything I have to do, all I do is I go, oh, that was a thought. And then I go, did it make me feel anything? And then I go, oh, it made me feel anxious. And then I let it go away. And you get better at that. Meditation is literally just sitting down for 10 minutes, noticing your surroundings, noticing all your senses, and then if you just focus on your breath, like, and just count one breath in, one breath out, and then you count again and again, you're going to start to feel more calm, your heartbeat's going to lower, you're going to chill out, and then every time that you have a thought, because they will come up all the time, you just go, oh, that was a thought. And then you come back to your breath. And even if it happens a thousand times, 
you in your head might be like, I'm not doing it right. You are though, because yeah. what you're doing is training your brain, training your consciousness to see your mind and not be in your mind. Like if you oh, think of your okay. mind That's as a cool. stream of water and all the thoughts are like logs, whatever, they're just the water and there's just all in there. Mm-hmm. You should think of yourself as someone that's sitting in the river. And most of the time we're in the river and all the thoughts are hitting us and then we're reacting to them and sometimes we're grabbing onto them. We're going down the river. We're letting them take us down it. But instead, whenever I sit down and I start meditating, I close my eyes and I imagine that I stand out of the river and I walk up onto a hill and then I watch the river. So then you're watching your thoughts go by. And then so I'm breathing. I think a thought and I go... That's a thought. Back to the breath. No cool. judgment. No, I'm failing at this because you're not. Dude, there's been times I've meditated. I'm not kidding. The entire time, I was thinking going down different rabbit holes. And I finished and I was frustrated. And I was like, damn, that wasn't as good of a session. But the thing is... You can't like beat yourself up. Yeah, but the thing is like it, it was because my brain needed to do all that. And I was trying my hardest to come back to the breath. And throughout the day, even if it's just... more, I'll be 5% better at trying to be more present and going, oh, that was the thought. Let me come back to talking to Zoe. Instead of like, we're having a conversation and then something happens and then I get distracted. Instead of that taking 10 seconds and then for me to come back to you, it takes one second and I go, oh, wait a second. I think uh, think about my show. Let me talk to Zoe then. And that's what keeps you more active. If If you think you can't do it, you gotta tell yourself that you're wrong. Okay. Headspace helped me the most. And they have like 10, um, I think they have like 10 guided sessions uh, that you can get for free. And then, you know, they all charge you because everything is charged and subscription and everything. Yeah. Uh, Headspace is great. A lot of people like Calm too. They're okay. both supposed to be good. good but there's also a bunch on YouTube that are probably free. <laughs> yeah. But you can do it. I'm telling you, if if my dumb ass can do it, any of you guys can do it. I'll and it's helpful. I try doing it in the morning is super helpful. Like wake up, have coffee, and I just go, I have to do this for 10 minutes. I have to. I don't every sometimes some days I fuck up, but when I do, I always feel better. I did it today and I was like, dude, thank God. Good to know. I'm gonna work on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and sorry for being all over the place. No worries, dude. This was great. (laughs) Where can everyone follow you, listen to your podcast, mm-hmm. plug all of your stuff? Um, you follow me online, Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N-J, Palladino, P-A-L-L-A-D-I-N-O. Podcast is We're All Psychos with Dylan Palladino. That's where you find me. Dude, honestly, if you go to my Instagram, all my shit's there. And I don't know if anyone here is on TikTok, but you know you can follow me on TikTok. <laughs> uh, the shit I post is whatever, but... Um, I'm trying to get more followers on that because that's where the new kids are and those kids are eventually going to start making money and then I want them to use their money on me. I'll put you in touch with a girl I interviewed yesterday, my friend. She's like 36,000 followers oh, really? on TikTok. Oh, nice. What? How did she get? Did, did she like post she one video? She just posts crazy that, shit. Her one, it's called Lexapro Lesbian. Oh, nice. <laughs> so she's lesbian? Hers. Got it. Cool. Yeah. All right, I'll check her out. It's very funny. Lexapro Lesbian. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Okay, bye guys. All right. (laughs) 